Hi there, and welcome to a special edition of the Press Gallery, Edmonton Journal's politics podcast, the Prentice is Premier edition. My name is Sarah O'Donnell. I'm an editorial writer and host of the show. And the reason I'm here in the newsroom studio with my colleagues on a Sunday morning is because last night, Alberta's progressive conservatives elected a new leader who is, by extension, automatically Alberta's 16th Premier. With me to talk about last night's results are Journal Provincial Affairs columnist Graham Thompson. Good morning. Politics reporter Miriam Ibrahim. Hello. And content editor Kathy Kerr. Good morning. So let's just start with some basic facts. Jim Prentice, a former federal cabinet minister, was running against Edmonton MLA Thomas Lukasik and Calgary MLA Rick McIver for the PC's top job. What were the results that PC Party President Jim McCormick announced last night? Well, it was a resounding victory for Jim Prentice, a a landslide. In fact, he uh, walked away with more than 17,000 votes, 17,963 PC Party members voted for him compared to 2,742 for Rick McIver and 2,000. Uh, 681 for Thomas Lukasik and and you know just over 23,000 people actually cast a ballot so uh, really uh, a clear victory there for Prentice. Except that I want to jump in here the numbers are abysmal 23,000 people voted you go back in the history of the PC uh, leadership uh, elections and you've got 144,000 in 2006 even the lowest number was about 52,000 when Ralph Klein in the first ballot um, and that race back in 92. So to have 23,000 people um, vote is abysmal. This is a major problem for the party. They managed to sell or give away about 40,000 memberships, which is an all-time low for leadership uh, race. I think that they've got a, a real problem here, even though last night Prentice said, I have a very strong mandate. Yeah, a mandate with an abysmal turnout of, of, of people. So I think this is a real problem. There's fewer than less than one percent of the population in Alberta took part in this. So that's going to be the big uphill climb now for, for Prentice to reconnect with the uh, the people of Alberta. And you might wonder if maybe that abysmal turnout was one reason, although it seemed like he was emotional over the fact that the uh, Tories are the longest running party of all time, that Jim McCormick actually started to cry a little bit during his intro speech. He got a little verklempt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think maybe he thinks, well, you know, it's been a good run, but maybe it's coming to an end. I don't know. Okay, so well, to be fair, I'm going to say it isn't as many as previously, but still, 23,000, that's a small city that voted in the progressive conservative leadership. I know it's not the the, the, the monolith that the party's had in the past, but... so no, th- hold on, you... you I can't really hit this one hard enough, I don't think, because this was supposed to be easier. Mm. The old campaigns, you had to go to an actual balloting station and cast a paper ballot. You had to drive somewhere through the through snow in some cases. This time around, it's supposed to be easy, online, by telephone. And they still only got 23,000 people. Okay, I will I will take that point. I, I concede that point. No devil, I'll stop playing trying to play devil's advocate here <laughs> on that point. I've lost that one. How would you describe the reaction in the hall to these results? The the results were presented at, at the Northlands uh, Exhibition Center. Yeah. What what was the what was the mood like? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, there there were only about three hundred and fifty people in the room to begin with, and so. Um, but I mean, definitely, it, it was clear that the majority of the people that were there were there to su- to support Prentice. Um, and I, I was close to the stage when um, Jim McCormick was announcing the results, and I actually heard a, a qu- kind of an audible gasp after the second um, results were announced for for McIver, sort of indicating that between the two of them, McIver and Lukasik, they'd only actually gathered about five. 5,000 or just over 5,000 votes. And so 
everybody after that. I mean, just drowned out the rest of the numbers, and 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 the room really did sort of explode, explode in in sort of of cheers. But again, there were only about three hundred and fifty people there to begin with. So when he gets seventy seven, when Mr. Prentice gets seventy seven percent of the vote, <laughs> and I just I have to say that number seventy seven percent seems to haunt the Progressive Conservative Party. Been shown up previously in leadership reviews, as I recall. But anyhow, we don't have to go there. Um, <laughs> what? So that means we don't have to have a second ballot. Right, the the victory done. is done. It's, it's done. done. The race is over. And and just so you're clear, the very your opening, you said that uh, he is by extension automatically the premier. He has to be sworn in yet. Sure. So he will become the premier, but technically he must be sworn in by the lieutenant governor. Okay. And so in he, terms of technicalities, actually, they were lucky there was no second vote. And it's because mm-hmm. what popped up just before the actual voting started was there is no um, ability for them to have a recall. So in this particular case, um, Lukasik and McIver were actually fairly close in terms of the number of votes. If they had been higher up and it had been a matter of who was going to drop off and one of them wanted to make a stink and say, we need a, a revote or a, a recount, there is no recount. Um, so that's a little glitch in their system as well. It's actually in their, lacking in their constitution. Ooh, so the there's e- a whole lot of things that they need to be looking at again in terms of their voting process and in terms of their constitution yeah, here. Just, it seems to me that a lot of political parties across the country will be looking at how this election was run and what happened and perhaps looking at their own rules and plans for future leadership contests just to, because there definitely were some issues that we can talk about a little more. But tell me about Prentice's speech. What were the what were the highlights for for you guys? It was a it was a very I thought it was a pretty good speech. Um, it was powerful. It's funny he said I won't repeat the five you know uh, principles of my campaign, and he repeated the five <laughs> principles of his campaign <laughs> basically uh, later on about you know um, fiscal uh, responsibility and environmental leadership and uh, ethics. More, yeah, exactly. So I thought it was a pretty good speech. It was something he obviously you could see he had worked on. This, this, his victory last night was not a surprise. And it was, I thought it was a pretty good speech. The crowd, such as it was, quite liked it. And I think that this is um, showing that he can uh, do these kind of big rallies. So I think that that's going to help him in, in the days ahead. What signals did it send about how he's going to lead the party? Well, I mean, he's, he's, he continued to, to say what he's been saying throughout the campaign, which is that he wasn't here when, when some of the decisions that were made were made um, and that he's going to be changing things now. And, you know, he said, I wasn't at the table then, but I am at the table now. And in fact, I'm at the head of the table and I'm going to be making tough decisions and I'm going to be standing by them. So I think we can expect a bit of a cleaning house. Just how deep that clean will be it remains to be seen. But, you know, I suspect he'll have to he'll have to do some some substantial, you know, he'll, he'll have to take some substantial actions um, to show people that, you know, he is going to follow through on that. Kathy, I kind of cut you off. I apologize. You were you were not in the room last night, but I know you were monitoring things, probably watching the live feed and 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 watching the reaction to the speech. What what what, what did you want to say before um, I cut you off? One thing that struck me about this was he spoke well. He spoke comfortably. He d- was not stiff. We have seen him in circumstances where he's quite stiff, and of course he dodged having a televised debate. And the assumption was it was because he doesn't think well on his feet, feels a little stiffer. Last night he was well prepared and he was talking literally to his supporters. We know that a lot of those supporters were in the room. Um, It does make you wonder if there is an underlying discomfort uh, for him with the general public, with things that are not well stage managed, which with the unexpected. Um, And it's something we should be watching for him uh, with him for the next 
18 months like can he be out in the general public and be as comfortable and um, as forceful as he was last night in his speech he did refer to issues with the electronic voting as we've talked about and he said that you know the leadership process has not been perfect that was one of his quotes and that it's created frustration at a time that we didn't need that so I know I talked to several MLAs yesterday and and even people working on the campaigns who talked about the problem voting what did you guys hear specifically went wrong with this e-voting process? Well, I heard people who didn't get a, a PIN number at all. and uh, Or they got a PIN number, they put it in, and it didn't seem to work. So people were, were talking about if you had an hour to work through the system, it could work. If you had a few minutes, it didn't always work. Um, so this is going to be a problem for the party, kind of. This isn't, this isn't going to taint the actual voting process, I don't think. Um, what it does... To me, again, the bigger issue here is so few people came out. Even 40,000 uh, total memberships sold is an abysmal number for this party. So I think that even though there were glitches, I think that they're willing to, to move beyond that. Of course, I look at the issue now is will they do it again this way? And last night, Kelly Charlebois, the executive director of the party, was saying that um, they're going to go back and look at this in the November uh, convention to determine do we want to do e-voting in the future or do we go back to the old paper? system. Mm. It does kind of blow up that myth that the Tories are they can that they're mm. a huge big machine and that they're professional at what they're doing and look at how long they've been in power and so they must be, you know, really have their act together and know what they're doing. Kind of makes you wonder if they do know what they're doing. It seemed kind of amateurish that there would be this problem. Surely they should have been testing the heck out of this system before they got anywhere near it. And and yet they continue to describe it as a success yesterday, which um um, I think w would sound a little tone deaf to some of the people who had so many problems, right? And I mean, there was there were, there were so many, and it was a combination of them. Um, I think what will be interesting is to see, um, you know, if we find out the number of memberships that got rejected. You know, Graham was talking about forty thousand sold, and I wonder, is, does that include the number of of rejected memberships, or is, or is that number above and beyond that? Because if so, I think that would be a really interesting. Um, sort of uh, story about about how that voting process actually went down. The other two candidates, Thomas Lukasik, Rick McIver. What was their reaction? I were they were they in the room when the oh, results yeah. were read? Yeah, yeah. And, and so what what did they have to say after the vote? Well, quickly on Lukasik, he had nothing to say after the vote. He disappeared. He was not happy before the vote. We talked to him about the um, the voting system. He said that his campaign had received thousands of calls from. Um, frustrated members who couldn't get their, their votes in, and Lukasik was not happy. You could tell he was not happy at all. He said, it was, he said it was very disappointing as well, the, the 23,000 number. Um, you know, and he was the only one to really come out and be that explicit about saying that he was disappointed with that number. Mm -hmm. But after the vote, he, didn't, uh, um, he wasn't there to talk to us. He, we, we had to track him down later at uh, some, I guess, cafe or bar. restaurant down the restaurant. street from the journal, very conveniently. Well, at least yeah. he was close. <laughs> oh, and, and what about Rick McIver? How, how did he take the, the news? He, um, you know, he came out and delivered some remarks and took some questions and said that he felt like he'd fought a good campaign and um, that he was, you know, ready to be a part of the team and threw a support behind Prentice and pledged to run again as an MLA in 2016. And uh, specifically as a PC MLA under Premier Prentice, he right, said. Right. And um, and then he actually went to the uh, Prentice campaign after party and, and uh, congratulated Prentice in person there. So, um, you know, he's he's definitely indicating that he's ready to be 
be part of the team and, and probably jockeying for a position in cabinet. So what comes next? Is this roller coaster over? Well, Miriam uh, talked about uh, a really important issue is how do they show they're actually new? When you got one new leader, same old caucus, how do you um, actually show you're actually something different? So the next step is for him to actually uh, get sworn in as premier in the next uh, week or so. And then he um, has to have a by-election to uh, get a seat in the House, and that's going to be, we're thinking, in Calgary. He has said he will not run in Calgary Elbow, the one seat that's open right now. That's Alison Redford's old seat, and that riding is toxic. He does not want to go near that riding because all the, the memories of Alison Redford pop up. So he has to get a, a seat, and then uh, he'll be swearing in a cabinet in about 10 days, I was told. And the question now is how, again, this question that Miriam raised, how does he show he's actually something new, a new team, when he has the same old faces? What are you going to be watching for, Kathy? Um, well, first of all, we'll watch for, for where he decides to run. We're, we're the the smart bet apparently is on Calgary McKay Nose Hill, which is um, really his peeps. And uh, um, it's it's not a risky uh, riding it all for him and that says something in itself that he doesn't want to make a show of trying for a, um, a constituency that would have suggested that he is not Calgary establishment there was some speculation at one time he might try for an Edmonton seat and he's completely ruled that out so he's not a risk taker we know right. that well and he said he feels best representing the people he 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 lives among right that's uh, at yeah. the, the editorial yeah. board yeah. that's what he said just North Calgary who he's represented before in Parliament okay yeah. well I, and it doesn't hurt that the Calgary Nose Hill uh, McKay riding has a MLA who's ready and willing to step yeah. down at a moment's notice yeah. right I think another thing we really need to watch with him and it will be an interesting um, dynamic with that particular party is he said that he wants a major shakeup in that party. Um, so we should be watching for nominations, both in the by-elections coming up and in the election in 18 months. He has hinted that he's going to take a hand in those. That's a very interesting decision for him because in 1986, basically it was thought that the party took a hand in him getting the nomination against an incumbent um, in Calgary Mountain View. And he lost to the opposition because the Tories split over that question of the executive coming in and messing around with the nomination when there was already an incumbent who was, you know, a good old boy in the in the area. So is he actually going to come in and, and hand pick um, Tory nominations? Will he let it play out? How controlling he's going to be will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if the party is willing to let him do some hand picking so that he gets the team that he wants, or if every constituency is going to fight him every step of the way on it. And just one important point you, you mentioned: uh, his his home riding is Calgary Mountain View, which is one which is actually David Swan, the Liberal. Yeah. Okay. So people are wondering, running your home riding? Well, he can't. Um, right now because David Swan is the uh, MLA for his... Right, a liberal MLA is unlikely to step aside so that the <laughs> new PC leader can you try and get a seat think. in the legislature. Yeah. On the policy front, do you think he's going to start fast and furious draw with, with policy and, and shaking things up in that regard? Do we, like, Are we going to see environmental changes or energy policy changes or, I don't know, perhaps government fleet decisions? Well, I think he has to do something. He has to he has to say something or do something about the fleet, What be that, you know, set setting up a meeting or, or, or something with the AG, with the Auditor General, but he's got to do something with that. That's been been an issue that persisted throughout the campaign, and it, it's a thorn in their side. It, it's just constant bad headlines for the for the Tories. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I'm hopeful that we'll see some some interesting, you know, policy discussions because I, I you know, as m- many other people have pointed out, there wasn't enough of that during the during the leadership race. Well, thank you so much for coming in on a Sunday morning, guys. I will look forward to talking about all these developments uh, in future episodes. But for this special edition, we will wrap it up there. I know Press Gallery regular Paula Simons desperately wanted to be here, but we insisted she celebrate her milestone birthday today in other ways. But I do want to take a moment to say happy birthday, Paula. You can find previous episodes of the podcast, including one recorded just last Thursday on EdmontonJournal.com's homepage and always in the opinion section. You also can find a video segment from today's recording session online. Thanks to videographer Ryan Jackson for that. The show is available on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can easily subscribe and then the show will show up weekly in your iTunes queue wherever you are in the world. And thanks to all our listeners. Hearing from you makes this show worth producing every week. That's it for this special Prentice's Premier Edition. We'll be back in a few days in the Press Gallery. Gallery.